0: well, We're going to continue reading from a passage that by now we've probably memorised because we've been reading the same passage for the last three weeks from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, which is the passage that our denomination, the Churches of Christ, uh, was based on. A a, a denomination that wanted to do church without the religion. And so they came back to asking, what are the fundamentals of the Christian church? What was the singularity in the Big Bang that was the church And it was this passage that we see from the church in Acts, a church that was full of people called followers of the way. They weren't even called Christians yet. They were just followers of the way, that man that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the passage said, verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, "...they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles." all the believers were together together, and they had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Uh, I had a great conversation on... Uh, Friday night, we had uh, this, the Sam McNally group with Doug Williams. We had just some of Sydney's best uh, musicians with us on Friday night. And I had a great conversation with a couple that was invited along. And I can't see them here because I don't want to embarrass them just yet. But this couple said to me at the end of the service, they said, uh, if church is like this, I'm coming to this church. <laughs> and And then the wife said something quite profound that I hear all the time and you might hear all the time. Uh, she said to me, I'm coming to your church, but I hope it's not one of those religious ones. I don't like the religious stuff, right? Have you heard that before? You know, where yours and my friends will often say, you know, a lot of people, I don't have an issue with Jesus, but I've got an issue with the church, right? And you've been seen over the past couple of weeks, I've given you lots of ample reasons why. As, as G.K. Chesterton said, one of the biggest problems with the church is Christians, Uh, Christians are like a dodgy kebab. You know, it just takes one bad experience with one and you never want to see one again. (laughs) right? And so that's why we've been looking at what the church looks like before it got religious from the book of Acts. We've been learning that this church uh, loved the apostles' teaching. We learned in week one when they loved teaching, that does not mean you must always listen to Sam on a Sunday or throughout the week. I know that you listen to 15 other preachers I know that uh, content is now being commoditized. That's not what it was. The apostles' teaching was the simplicity of the gospel. A man was alive, you killed him, and people come back from the dead. Uh, You work out what you do from there. And then last week, we've been sharing that they love to do life together. They sacrificially gave their lives away to, to one another. And this week, we're going to learn, and what I want to talk about, is that this church loved liturgy, which is a weird religious church statement to make. It's crazy that I would say that, but they loved worship. When it says that they every day they continued to meet together, they broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The the underlying Greek there is saying that this is an act of liturgy. They weren't just hungry. This was communion. That they did communion with one another. They loved worship. They loved. Worship, and as a result, they live the, these big lives. You see from this church that suddenly there is courage, and there is poise, and there is um, adventure, and, and there is strength, and there's all the things that we kind of want in our life, right? <laughs> because I think in this world that's feeling so uncertain this week, many of us are asking the question: Well, how do I live a life of courage? How do I get over the anxieties that I'm feeling? You know, not just around the world with what's happening in the Ukraine, but just with what I've got to deal with this week, Sam. Um, How do I deal with my concerns? How How do I deal with the things that are worrying me? And can I suggest to you this morning that the answer to those problems that you and I have in our lives is not more clever solutions. The answer to those problems is actually worship, which sounds really, really crazy. But I hope by the end of today, you'll see that the answer to these problems that we feel around a lack of courage and the anxiety that we feel is actually a worship issue. It's not a character issue, it's a worship issue. And this church, they loved the liturgy, and as a result, they changed the countryside around them. They lived big lives of courage, the sort of lives that we want to do, and Christians throughout history always did that. So I guess it begs the question then, um, why, why why then, when we look at the church, is it possible? And you may have experienced this, certainly not at this church, but... But why is it possible that when you turn up to church and you see these people who are worshiping, you see people who've been sitting in these chairs for 20 years and they're still just as grumpy and they're still just as narky and they're still just as small minded and they're still just as anxious as they've always been 20 years ago? (laughs) Not this church. (laughs) They're singing the songs, they're doing the bread. I sat on the body of Christ today by accident. Maybe you did too. Just check under your backside, but (laughs) right? It didn't change me. It it didn't change me because, because you know there was no there was no bridge from belief to the soul. That's what worship is worship is a bridge from our beliefs into the very heart of who we are, into our soul. And we don't see this change because maybe we haven't established a bridge to the soul. We haven't drilled down an opening into the soul in which we can insert God's truth through worship. You know, there's two ways to get rid of rock on the M1. Have you seen the M1 when you drive up to Gosford or Newcastle? And you see those giant carved out sections of rock on the side of the road? You guys seen that? Well, there's two ways to get rid of that. You know, if you've ever noticed, look very closely, you'll see on that rock face that there's a whole heap of semicircular straight lines down that rock face. And the reason it's there is there's two ways to get rid of that rock. You can try jackhammer away at it from the outside for the next 50 years or you can drill a hole down into the very centre of it, drop a stick of dynamite and blow that thing apart. That's what worship is. (laughs) Worship is drilling a hole into your soul when we sit here so you can drop a stick of God's dynamite into your life and hopefully it will explode in you in that moment or a little bit later. That's what the liturgy was. That's why this church exploded. The singing, the taking of the communion, the prayers, the religious things that, that we do are the, are the drilling of the hole so that we can insert these sticks of dynamite. And when Christians did liturgy, There was something powerful about it because particularly when we're singing, I want us to get this this morning. We love the singing not just because they're good songs, right? We we love them because there's almost something physiological. Have you found this? That there's almost something physiological about the act of singing those particular songs. And I'll give you a non-Christian version of this. You ready? Where, Where does your mind go when I sing... Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to. <laughs> Where does your mind go? Cake. <laughs> Thanks, Nath. <laughs> for you, some. Of, for, for you, for some of you, you go to 1955, when I was a little girl, ready to blow out the candles, and Mum and Dad were there. Like, you, you're feeling the way that that in an instant, we're already being changed. Because of the power of this process and the discipline that we call liturgy in evoking something within us that is powerful. The song drills a hole into our heart and explodes us in that moment. So why no change? Why no change? Because churches gravitate towards religion. That's what we've been learning. The churches gravitate towards religion because we gravitate towards religion. And when it comes to worship, this is one of the ultimate places in the church that we can gravitate towards the religion. And I, I think the, the way that it looks specifically, because we've seen over the years that, yeah, we can immediately think when we gravitate towards religion that, that Sam's talking about bells and smells. You know, that, that Sam's saying the way that the church has just made worship about the bells and the smells and the trinkets and icons and all the rest of it. But if you're in a church like this, you go, this is the one church where you hardly see any of that. In fact, there's a type of religion in worship that's way worse than just getting obsessed with bells and smells. The religion that we can have in our hearts when it comes to worship is a religion where we... What religion does is it mutes our faculties to the ways in which God wants to engage with us in this moment. Bear with me, here's what I'm saying. (laughs) It mutes our faculties. Here's, Here's how I got religious... Here at Northside, as a kid, when I was first, you know, before I was on team, and I was turning up to Northside, and I was just starting to come along with Mum and Dad, you know, we we would be we would be in the car, and we would mute our faculties, and it would go like this. And I'm sure you would never do this, but we would we would you would there's no way that you would do this. Um, we would get in the car, and we'd be driving to church, and we'd start having conversations, saying, "I wonder if that worship leader's going to cry this morning," or we would say stuff like, "I wonder if they're going to wear those crazy clothes again." And we'd say stuff like, oh, they're going to sing that song that I hate. I hate that one. Oh, I hope they do that one. It's like we're sort of almost creating our, you know, pre-done Spotify list for how we think the Lord's going to move, right? Um, I wonder how long the service is going to be, right? It's just me. I'm just sharing. It's a safe place, right? All right, when when you move into the space of worship doing that, what you're doing is you're muting your faculties. You're beginning to put earplugs in and blind yourself to the ways in which God could potentially want to engage you through the worship. I mean, it's like going to the Sydney Symphony Orchestra and putting earplugs in your ears. You know, if you did that and you go to the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, they could be playing Mazorski's Pictures at an exhibition, amazing piece, but if you've got your earplugs in, of course in that moment you're going to go, I think the conductor's got his shirt half untucked, and I think there's dust on the acoustic rings. That's happening there. And what's that person wearing up? Ever done that? We do that in church all the time because we mute our faculties when we come into this place without an expectation that God wants to drop a stick of dynamite in your soul, right? He wants to change you through worship. And so God knew this because worship liturgy becomes religious when we make it about the means, not the ends. Westminster Catechism says the chief end of a person is to glorify God and enjoy him together. The breaking of bread, the singing, the prayer, all of these things we do, it's all about enjoying God in this moment. That's what we do, designing all of this, is to to enjoy God in this moment. And God knew that we mucked this up in Deuteronomy chapter 27, there's a fascinating phrase where like, Moses has taken all of his laws and he says, go possess the land of the Jordan. And he says, "Oh, God's given you instructions on how to set up your worship. And in verse 5 of chapter 27, he says, build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. And then a fascinating phrase, he says, don't, don't use any iron tool on them, on the stones. Which in other words, he's saying, don't use a chisel on the stones. Now, really obscure, but there's a fascinating principle that God sets up right from the beginning because he knows who we are and he knows who he is. When he says, get ready to worship me, but no tools, please, what he's saying is, come worship me at the altar. but Please, whatever you do, don't start carving out what you think that I am like in this space. Please do not start carving out what you think I should look like I should be doing how I should be acting don't do it no tools just come to a place that is plain and simple and about me because we religious types have a tendency right in these moments to create in worship what we think God is and what he does and how he should move Uh, I I had this with uh, one of the guys at our night service. We've been doing a a more free-form style of worship at 5pm for this reason. It's just everything stripped back. You're welcome to come back to church. If you do, you'll get a gold star from the pastor. I've got a little chart on the back of my door. (laughs) But we've just been running a free-form style of worship at 5pm that's even more free from what we do in this space for this reason. It's simple. One of the guys there said, yeah, I'm I'm loving this, you know, because I went to a church service once. And I went into worship and they started babbling in all sorts of interesting language. And the guy next to me said, oh, you've got to do it too. And he's like, well, hang on, I don't, this is like freaking me out, man. And so um, the person says, no, you've got to do it. You just do it, you just do it. That's what we do. You know, if you're a Christian, you know that they're speaking in tongues and that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that we don't speak in tongues in this place. Um, but, but there's a difference, you see, between the gift of God and God doing what he wants to do in your life versus The person next to you saying, that's just what we do. That's religion in worship. And so God says, please don't tell me when I'll move, how I'll move, because religion is how we form the way that we think God is who he is. So we're always gravitating towards this religious side of things, the way we speak, the way we act, um, the way that we mute our faculties when we come into this place. right? So what is worship then? What is worship in the biblical sense? Worship. Worship is ascribing ultimate value to something by using all of your faculties until it changes you. Worship is ascribing ultimate value to something by using all of your faculties until it changes you. I call it the antiques roadshow principle. All right. You've seen that show, the antiques roadshow? Yeah. Um, for anyone who's under the age of 50, uh, it's, it's a show where you go and present these uh, old items to someone and they appraise it and they, they, look, through, they look through it all. Uh, I had an Antiques Roadshow moment uh, with this. Have we got a picture of that there, Peter? I got this from my grandma. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's unreal. Uh, for an extra gold star, anyone know what that is? It's a Toby jug. Thanks, Joycey. It's a Toby jug. I got that. Can you imagine when you're 12 years of age and you get a Toby jug from your grandmother? You're like, what the heck is this? It hasn't even got Star Wars on the side of things. Anyway, I I had an Antiques Roadshow moment because I was watching the Antiques Roadshow and lo and behold, someone there in the middle of England rocks up with a Toby jug. And suddenly as, as I'm watching this, you know, the appraiser goes through and you know how it works in Antiques Roadshow, they, they get it on the table, everyone's crowded around the English countryside, they're twisting it and they go, oh, look, you know, look at, look at just the way that his beard comes out to the right there and I love the glazing on the upper left earlobe there and, and the way that the handle has been brought out in a semi-concave shape as opposed to the other shape which happened in 1885. You know how they do this, right? It's like half an hour of staring at this thing. <laughs> and then don't you love that moment when, when like, we're all terrified, to go, is this either a piece of junk? Have they got gold underneath them? And so then there's that moment where they go, well, what do you think it's worth, how much did you get it for? I don't know, my grandmother just gave me, it's been sitting in the sock drawer for the last 10 years. And they say, well, this thing's worth $50,000. And everyone's like, oh my goodness, right? And he could see their mind ticking over, like, oh, well, it's like winning the lottery. Like, I'm going to buy that car or that's a deposit on the house. And, I never... and the, the funniest thing is probably just the pride by which they walk off with this ugly, horrendous looking thing through the street, right? <laughs> you know what that is? Worship. Or worth-ship. The old English word for worship is actually worth to study something, to inventorize its attributes so carefully that you come to a realisation of its ultimate value and then it changes your behaviour. You know, I think think a lot of people come to church, come to God and they treat God like a Toby jug. (laughs) Yeah, I I believe in him, I know him, he's kind of cool, doesn't doesn't look as ugly as the one that we had in there. Um, But he's fine, we leave God in the sock drawer. And so what we're doing in this moment, what you and I are doing in this moment, as we sing, as we pray, as we read the word, we're putting God at the center. And we're saying, can you, can you see his goodness and his, his righteousness and, and his power and his grace and his mercy and his sovereignty? It's worship worship did you think you would turn up to antics Roadshow this morning <laughs> i think for you and i we come to worship uh with such muted faculties and i get it like you come to church and the body's aching i'm getting to 42 i'm starting to feel arth- arthritic now you know i'm like it's <laughs> i'm getting on i'm at the beginning of old <laughs> It's just starting to hurt a little bit more in the morning. I get, I get you if you're in that stage of the congregation. The kids are screaming. You know, your young child's vomited all over you. Um, there's been, it's been a big night the night before. It takes a lot of effort to get to the church and to turn up and to do worship. But I think the degree to which we mute our faculties with the Lord is the degree to which we miss what's been sitting in the bottom of the sock drawer. And as a pastor, so much of our job, whether it's worship leaders or pastors, is to say to you, whether you're a believer or not today, do you understand the value of what you have been given? That's worship. And so how do you worship? Well, you simply, you'd simply do this. You inventorize and you pulverise. You inventorize and you pulverize, you inventorize and you pulverize. Like if if part of this process is inventorizing God and understanding his attributes, understanding who he is, that he is a good God and he is a powerful God and he is the one God and he is the only God and he's the all knowing God and he's the forgiving God and he's the understanding God and he's the grace filled God, we start building an inventory list, worship. And then you take that, you inventorize, and then you pulverize. You find in this moment, hopefully by the power of the Holy Spirit, if he hasn't drilled a hole to drop the dynamite in, then you punch it in. <laughs> right? You stuff it down deep in your heart and you take these things that we sing about in these songs and you say, come on heart, listen to this. I know that it's been a big week, but if if God is for me, then who can be against me? Come on heart, listen. I know that you are feeling anxious, but if he... If he watches the lilies, as we've been seeing, then how much more does he love you? How much more of in control of your life is he? Come on, heart. That's what we are doing when we worship. We're pulverizing it into our hearts. We're pulverizing into our hearts. And does that just happen on Sunday? No. And I I got this revelation when I was reading. This is a lot lower than when I started. (laughs) It's a good sign. I've got to find my Bible because I had a revelation on when we do this because I've talked so much about today. But take a look at verse 46. It says, well, go to verse 47 because that's the pastor's favourite phrase in this passage. Praising God and enjoying favour with all the people, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right, that's, that's the pastor's favourite line in, in all of that. <laughs> but verse 46 is the line, every day, every day, every day, every day, they continued to meet together and to worship. Now, I'm not talking about you turn up here every single day. What I'm talking about is we worship every day. <laughs> we worship every day. We sing to him every day. We put a worship song on Spotify every day. We pray every day. We find whatever it is in that moment. And I'm a fan that if something's not working for you, change the context. If your prayer life is dull, don't pray, sing. If you don't think you've got a good voice, you've got a sore throat, or you're just over-singing, don't sing, pray. If you're over-praying, if you're over-singing, sit down at a side table with your partner or your spouse, or just by yourself in that moment, and break some bread and a little bit of juice. Do whatever it is to be able to open your soul up to God in that moment, so that He can explode you from the inside out. Hey, look, I've I got more I got more to say, but um, just had a leading in this moment that this is this is one of these moments, and particularly with what is happening for all of us uh, around us in the world at the moment, where um, it should be the sort of topic that. Um, you're doing a bit of your homework <laughs> before you go home. Like, we shouldn't just be listening to all of this sort of stuff. We've got enough in the inventorizing and the pulverizing to live a life that changes the world. It was as simple as that in that moment that they inventorized and they pulverized. And all I want us to get this morning is this that it's vital that we get this, that we get the power and the significance of worship. Because a community that just gathers around community is just a community. If you just gather around an idea or a certain interest or community, that's just just community, that's Rotary, that's Probus, that's the tennis club, that's community. But a community that is centred around the eternal and universal Toby Jug to honour him and to, to spend a lifetime of drawing out the attributes of him and who his wonder is and ultimately enjoying him, that's the church. And dare I say that as you take that into the centre of your soul, when you lift up the magnitude of who he is and what he's doing in your life this week, that as you come up against the things, the presentation at work that you've got to worry about, um, the, the bank balance that is dwindling and that we're feeling nervous about our finances in that situation, the relationship that is... That is beginning to crumble the parents that are sick that we're trying to look after but all of those are painful and i understand that and i get that jesus says look in this world you're going to have trouble but he said cheer up i've overcome the world it's about taking these things into the perspective of of who the lord is and the more that we inventorize him the more that his majesty overwhelms the things that concern us the way That the sun overwhelms the darkness at dawn. So I've got more, but I thought just this morning I'm going to ask the worship team up to help us to continue to inventorize and to pulverize. So I I hope you guys are okay with this. (laughs) But I just wanted to open up just an extended time of worship this morning as we do all the things that we've heard about from this passage as we break bread in communion as we pray to God, and as we worship. And I'm open for this morning, in this moment, if you've got something on your heart that you want to pray for, we'll bring our COVID-safe microphone around to you. And we don't often do this in church, but um, it's an act of worship. If someone wants to pray for someone or something in this moment, then just raise your hand. And we're going to lift those prayers and petitions as, as the worship team just plays over us this morning. And as they do that and as you take communion, then I pray, whether it's through the lyrics of the song, whether it's Bible verses that Holy Spirit is bringing back to your mind and to your heart, that you would do this work of inventorizing and pulverising. invenerizing and pulverising. I can't possibly know what that thing is for you in your life this morning that God wants to work on. But there's a great promise in Jesus Christ that says, you don't even need to pray to God because your Heavenly Father already knows what it is that you need before you even ask Him. And so just just rest in the washing over of this worship music to bring these things to God. And if you can't even explain what they are because they're too painful or they're too worrisome, rest assured that He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit who says that He will lift up to God in groans that we don't understand, the things that are deepest to our soul. You don't have to be a Christian to do this either he's come for all the thing that breaks my heart the most is that i've got a good friend who's going through a lot at the moment they came to this church during my induction as senior minister and they turned to their husband and said can we come back and have more of this she was in tears because the presence of god had hit her in worship he drilled a hole into her heart and something exploded in that day and she said can we come back and have more of this He said, it doesn't work like that. Way you've got to be Christian. You do not have to be a Christian to do this. All you've got to do is take off the blindfold. Take the earplugs out. Leave yourself open to the ways in which the Lord wants to get through to you in this particular moment. And so we're not here to manufacture anything. We're not here to try and push you into anything. But if you're willing to be open whether you're new to the faith, whether you don't have faith, or whether you're a veteran to all of this. Let it not be another 20 years of grumpiness and anxiety and a lack of courage. That's my prayer, at least. (laughs) That because of this process that we have together, i just be a little bit different next week. A little bit stronger, a little bit bolder, a little bit more cheeky. Because I know that he's with me and he's working in my life. Let's pray.